0: You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast.
1: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. It is the Thursday edition of this week nine in the NFL. I am
0: Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. Rich Hill, can you believe we are entering into the second half of the NFL season already? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it feels like the season has both just started from a timing standpoint and from a scheduling standpoint. The Patriots game against the Baltimore Ravens seems to be the first real game of the NFL season for the Patriots, so I'm excited for that to get underway. Alec, how are you feeling about the second half of the year?
1: Well, Rich Hill, this was supposed to be, you know, this was the meaty part of the schedule. Nobody good. They haven't played anybody yet. They have not impressed anybody because everyone they play stinks. So it is time for them to prove their mettle against some of the better teams in the AFC and NFC over the next couple of weeks. with a nice buy stuck in there so they can refresh and rehab and get some more plays stuck in there. Big game coming up against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night. But first, let's look around the week and see what's going on, what games you're looking forward to. Some pretty important games going on this week, especially as teams start jogging for position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking at the, the AFC right here, a couple big games that I would want to talk about first off is Texans at Jaguars. Texans right now are clinging on to that second wild card seed. They are trying to fend off the Jaguars who are next in line at four and four. So winner of this game will likely be holder of that sixth wild card spot or that sixth playoff spot, which would be a wild card team. Texans will be down J.J. Watt on defensive line. Jaguars are riding the the shoulders of Gardner Minshew, the the rookie sixth-round pick phenom. So that will be an interesting game from an overall perspective of who's going to make the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to matter too much from a seeding perspective. The one that I think does matter most from a seeding perspective only involves one AFC team, and Alec, it is the six and two Vikings on the road against the five and three Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs have been extraordinarily beatable at Arrowhead this year. Will remains to be seen if Patrick Mahomes will be playing, uh, and the the Vikings they are flying high right now. What do you think happens to the Chiefs in this game, and if they happen to lose, what does that mean for their playoff prospects?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Based on the way the Vikings have been playing this season and the way they attack defenses offensively, I would feel comfortable actually picking the Vikings to win this game and win the homes in the lineup. Uh, Dalvin Cook is having a career year as a running back. They are very methodical, and they are capable of hitting you big and hitting you deep. So I can see the Vikings winning this game regardless of who starts, and if that happens, if the Chiefs do lose another one at home, I think they're virtually out of the one seed completely regardless of how the rest of the season finishes out. And I mean they could drop as as low as this, the, the the four seed, depending on how the, the Colts and the the Titans and the rest of the AFC planned out. So I think this is a this might be a must win game for Kansas City, which is crazy to say, but the Vikings are no joke and I think if especially if they continue this myth that they're beatable at home, uh, should they even get the two seed? No one's gonna be scared to come in there. I remember the Patriots coming in there in the two seed last year. That was a scary place to play. They've kind of lost that aura this year with these home losses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if they continue to drop, uh, you know, they're not having any sort of help from the scheduling gods because of the five and two Colts on the road against this Pittsburgh Steelers team that is not looking too great this year so the Chiefs need to beat the Vikings in order to keep in lockstep with the Colts who currently have that number two spot in the AFC I'm not too worried about the Colts from the long term but that is an issue that the rest of the playoff teams in the AFC have to worry about um, before moving on I have another game that has a lot of import for the New England Patriots, for the NFL as a whole, uh, for society and where we are as for humanity. Uh, Jets on the road against the Dolphins. Two of the (laughs) worst teams in the NFL that have ever laced up that certainly we've seen this year. Two teams that are in the middle of a fire sale mode where they are trying to ship off Any player that is not, you know, under a long-term contract, and even if they are under a long-term contract, they might go anyways. Alec, what's happening with this game? And uh, whoever wins this game, are they screwing themselves out of a first overall pick?
1: Rich, I am irrationally excited for this game. I think I mentioned it when the Patriots played the Dolphins all the way back earlier in September. This game is must-watch TV for me, and... I've never seen a team the way the Dolphins are trying to tank. I don't know if you saw the game on Monday night, but they were winning 14 to 3 at going into the halftime, and they decided to blitz nine guys to the hell of it, and there are players wide open for the Steelers to need waltz into the end zone for a touchdown to make it 14 to 10 before the half. The Jets are a mess. The Dolphins, or at least, are purposefully a mess. But what this happens, what this does, this game is going to lead to a game down the line when it's going to be like Dolphins or Jets and playing the Bengals. And whoever wins that game loses the one seed overall. So there are a couple games like this throughout the schedule coming up where like you really want one team to win, you want the other team to lose because one pick overall is on the table
0: for all these teams and someone's going to screw it up. It's probably going to be the Jets because the Jets are the Jets. well and you know I don't know what screwing up would mean for them in that situation they I mean they have their quarterback of the future in Sam Darnold so they're not necessarily trying to get that first overall seed so I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow went on a tear and somehow finished the season 5 and 11 and just found themselves away of any of those blue chip players Um, so screwing them would be beating the Dolphins and then having the Dolphins subsequently beat the Bengals and having Andy Dalton get you know (laughs) <laughs> be traded to the Dolphins to be their quarterback <laughs> of the future. That's absolutely what's going to happen. Oh my gosh. The Bengals are going to get Tua to Tagovailoa, and then Andy Dalton will be the quarterback of the future for the Miami Dolphins. Cannot wait for that to happen, Alec. Um, but we are halfway through the season. We are halfway through the season, and teams are what they are at this point. We know who is good, who is bad, a lot of teams. And we know... Uh, how the Patriots are starting to form their identity. They have the best defense we've ever seen, uh, especially under Bill Belichick, but possibly the best defense we've seen all time, definitely in the discussion for the first half of the season. And so with half the year in the book and, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's too many other games of note happening around the league, I would like to go do some mid-season awards, Alec, and I would like to start right. off uh, with... Who you think is the Patriots' uh, defensive player of the half year? Yeah, this is a tough
1: one because there's an easy way you could make a case for, for half a dozen guys on this roster right now. Um, but just based on where he's been, where he's come back to, how he's playing, what he's done for this defense, I got to go with Jamie Collins um, as the kind of force of a linebacking core That's very forceful as it is. He's an absolute menace. I think he's in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. He's got interceptions. He's got sacks. He's got forced fumbles. He's as athletic as he was when he left the Patriots to go to the Browns, and now he's disciplined and following the rules. So he is just a force to reckon with, and I'm very excited to see what he does this Sunday at Baltimore Ravens.
0: Oh, I like that. I mean, Jamie Collins has always been an outstanding talent. He's really found his groove in this Patriots defense. I think putting him on that outside edge has really unleashed his versatility and really is capitalizing on his total talent. Uh I like that pick. I want to go to the secondary because as you said, there are a lot of players half the team that could probably be mentioned in this this greatest uh you know, defensive player of the half. And Kyle Van Noy is another one up from the front and I would just like to say that I think that the Patriots secondary is doing something exceptional, something that I've never seen under Bill Belichick. I've never seen another secondary do this where whenever they're on the field, I expect them to make a play. And when the opposing team converts a third down, I'm shocked. And I just haven't had that feeling in a while. And so I give a lot of kudos to this Patriots secondary. And there's two players that I want to highlight. First one being Devin McCourty who is having a career year, five interceptions. I would not be shocked if he finally got that elusive first-team All-Pro nod that he hasn't been able to get uh, throughout his career. But he is definitely on pace to get his fourth All-Pro nomination, which is a very, very impressive feat. But my guy is going to be Stefan Gilmore, who is the just core of this Patriots team. He is doing... Whatever it takes for Bill Belichick to draw up the most masterful defensive plan, and it's because Gilmore is playing as well as any defensive back we've seen. You know, I, I'm i not going to say he's currently at 2009 Darrelle Revis levels because Revis was playing against you know the Megatrons of the world, and that simply just hasn't been the Patriots' schedule. But you play who you line up against. And Gilmore has erased every single player and opposing team that he's lined up for him. And he does it generally on an island. He does it one-on-one. Maybe he has safety help here and there, but he's generally doing it one-on-one. And that gives Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense so much flexibility that they can you know, dedicate their resources to stopping other players. And they can only do that. They can only be such a dominant defense because Stephon Gilmore.
1: Totally. I can't really argue there at all. Uh, How about the offensive side of the ball, Rich? Who's your offensive player of the year so far?
0: Yeah, it's a tough one because it's been pretty lackluster from the offensive side. Uh, Offensive line itself hasn't been doing too great. Tom Brady's been pretty quiet. I'm going to go with Julian Edelman because he is very advanced in his age right now, 33 years old, but he's currently on pace for a career year. He has 53 receptions. He has 600 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns. So over the course of a full season... That's 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. That's a great year. I mean, he's showing that he's a bona fide number one guy. He is, you know, he's been reliable. He's had a few drops here and there. But when you look at the overall offense and who has been consistent for this team week in and week out, there's no one that's been more consistent than Edelman, and there's no one that deserves, you know, to be named or recognized as the Patriots offensive player of the first half.
1: Yeah, it's true. He's sort of the only consistent guy to have besides Tom Brady. And my boy Joe Tooney, who's getting it for me. I think he's the only page offensive lineman who hasn't missed a game yet, which is pretty remarkable seeing how banged up they all are. Uh, not having an all-pro season by any means, but he's having a good season. He's a solid guy on the line, and he's moved around a couple times as they've had more and more injuries. Uh, it's good to see at least one warrior out there, and it's Joe Tooney holding the line together with duct tape, it seems like.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. He's been – you know very very solid he's been the only stalwart out there uh and he's been doing a great job in pass protection he's really setting himself up for uh you know a really nice payday right around the corner um you know I, I think the next award we could go MVP but I would like to hold off on that one first because I have another player or another award that I'd like to to pose you pose to you uh most improved player there's been a few players this year that have caught my eye for doing You know, taking that next leap that Bill Belichick always talks about that have put together their, you know, baby years of experience and now have turned into bona fide great players. So, Alec, my question to you is through the first eight weeks of this year, who is your most improved player of the Patriots?
1: That's a good question. You know, it's it's easy to point to rookies uh, because their their learning curve is very steep. And in that respect, I think Chase Winovich is a great candidate for that. I think he's become a a kind of uh, a stalwart of the defensive line in pass rush situations, and he's really kind of come along. and, and He's a he's a guy that I I want to see on third down when the team's definitely passing. But again, like I said, I think going with the uh, the rookie route is is um, kind of a cop out. I'm gonna go with J.C. Jackson. I think J.C. Jackson has become Uh, A little bit of reputation as a a foul trouble, which I don't like, but they kind of stopped throwing his way. I feel like, a lot of times. And with Gilmore and J.C. Jackson and Jason McCourney, the secondary, as you alluded to earlier, is just so otherworldly. And to see the jump J.C. Jackson's made from year one to year two is really impressive.
0: Oh, I like that. I mean, I think he currently is the best deep ball defender in the league. I think, like, opposing quarterbacks have a pass rating of, like, nine (laughs) throwing his direction he's been outstanding he's been very very good I like that pick I'm going to go through a few names before mentioning who I think should have this award I want to give special daps to Brandon Bolden who is currently the you know this year's return to the Patriots and they finally know what he's doing uh, what they're doing with him on offense you know Jamie Collins gets that defensive award but Brandon Bolden's finally contributing on offense very happy to see that I think Philip Dorsett has also taken a step forward as being a reliable target for Tom Brady in that offense. Uh, Also looking at that secondary, I like the pick for JC Jackson. I also think that Jonathan Jones has taken an enormous leap forward as, uh, as a player this year, uh, going from just a special teams guy who can stand out on nickel in becoming, you know, a real starter who uh, is playing so well that the Patriots can't afford to use him on special teams as much anymore. But my most improved player of the year goes to Adam Butler. He has been holding down the Patriots defensive line. He's been using his versatility to play against both the run and the pass. They use him on the nose. They use him on the end. They line him up everywhere. And he's been doing a very good job. He has four and a half sacks on the year, six quarterback hits. He also has a pair of passes defended, four tack- uh, five tackles for loss. He's been very, very active. And... When they signed him to the roster, I didn't know what to expect from him, uh, you know, a couple years ago, but he has really developed into a quality NFL player, and he reminds me a lot of a player like Mike Wright, so, you know, that kind of hybrid defensive lineman who might not be big enough to be an interior guy every single down, but provide some pass rush, and really has a home in this Patriots three-man front, and I think Butler has really capitalized on the opportunities he's had this year, and he's surprised me more than anyone else. That's great. I love that pick. That's a great move. Um, how about uh, last thing before we move on to the Baltimore Ravens game? What about
1: the uh, like a play of the year, off the to play that really stands out to you? Do you that kind of highlight the Patriots' season so far?
0: I mean, there's been so many defensive plays that you probably have to highlight. You know, there's been a lot of uh, interceptions returned for touchdowns, other scores by this defensive side, and that really has been the story of the season for the Patriots. Has been their defense and special teams ability. And so the one that was most absurd to me has to be uh, a pretty recent one. It is when Baker Mayfield handed the ball off to Lawrence Guy. And <laughs> that happened last week against the Cleveland Browns. That was amazing. That's got to be my play over the first half of the year because of just how bizarre it was, how unexpected it was, and how after it happened, uh, how how it was like kind of received with a collective shrug of – yeah, I can see that. I mean, of course the Patriots defense did that. That makes a lot of sense. And so that just really highlighted and emphasized for me how good this defense has become and the fact that they're still getting better and they're still producing. Awesome. Never going to
1: get old watching Baker Mayfield get a handoff intercepted by Lawrence Guy. Um, I'm going to the special teams for my special play. Um, Buffalo Bills hosting the Patriots. Punt block. Matthew Slater returns it. First career touchdown. Very special moment. You saw the team rally around him, really proud of him, and that touchdown more or less was the deciding factor that separated that game anyway. So, it ended up being the game-winning score that Matthew Slater got, which was pretty yeah. awesome for me.
0: Uh, I like that. I'm always happy to see him get his first score of his career. You know, he's finally just able to get into that end zone, long overdue. Very, very happy for him. I made a prediction at the beginning of the year that Slater would get his first touchdown as a as a receiver, and I, you know, I missed that <laughs> mark a little bit. But you know, there's still time. There's still time. But I'm glad that he finally got it into the end zone. Um, but For let's sure. get into the meat of it right now, Alec. Week 9 of the NFL season, Patriots on the road against the 5-2 and two Baltimore Ravens, Sunday night football, November 3rd, 8.20pm kickoff. Where do we begin?
1: I think we should be the probably the biggest battle is going to be the Patriots' defense versus that Ravens' offense, Rich. I mean, looking at the roster, it's funny. I don't really recognize a lot of their skill players. Uh, their receiving core isn't great. I like Willie Sneed. He's a talented guy. Other than that, uh, not a lot going on. Uh, Seth Roberts, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Hayden Hurst. The high end Mark Andrews, a lot of toes end sets. The real threat, of course, is their running quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who's having a great year, silencing a lot of his critics. So I think this is really going to come down to how is Belichick going to contain Lamar Jackson, contain the Baltimore rushing attack, and force Jackson to win solely with his arm.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that is – going to be expected of a play i'm sure that the patriots will rely a lot on some of the success that other teams have had against the ravens both this year and last year Uh, i think there was a lot of acclaim for how the los angeles chargers defended them uh, last year by using multiple defensive backs And that prevented Jackson from getting any real traction outside of the pocket. And he's been relying a lot more on his running game in recent weeks, uh, in particular because his number one receiver, Marquise Brown, has missed time with an ankle injury. But, uh, you know, after only getting six uh, yards on the ground against the Miami Dolphins, he has been running and running and running and running. And over the, the past was it six games or so he has 570 rushing yards he's averaging 95 rushing yards per game so that is of the utmost import is to make sure that he does not escape the pocket and as a result if i'm the patriots and i'm bill belchick i'm looking at this team and saying marquise brown is coming back from an ankle injury he's their speedster you have mark andrews as their tight end who's a good receiving tight end Outside of those two, I'm not overly concerned of the passing game. So I will sell out to stop Lamar Jackson from escaping the pocket. And so, Alec, if you are Belichick, Belichick, and Mayo, how do you stop Lamar Jackson from escaping the pocket? Yeah,
1: it's a good question. The, the one that's going to decide the game, I think. I think three-four is still the way to go. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, the, the three-four front with the four linebackers. Maybe not be as aggressive in your cover-zero blitz because if they can penetrate that, there's not be a whole lot of secondary to to, to stop him. I was going to dedicate maybe Jamie Collins as a as a spy linebacker. I think he can match up with uh, Lamar Jackson to a degree with speed and maybe get some help with maybe Jonathan Jones. Uh, J.C. Jackson, maybe this is Jawan Bentley game. A big, rangy corner comes in there, gets off the non-designated injury list or off the, the 53 roster, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I can't, maybe not, I don't know. But I think Jamie Collins is kind of my defensive X factor for that reason. I think him with a, a cornerback slash safety help to keep him in the pocket and force him to throw will really limit that Ravens offensive playbook and frustrate Lamar Jackson to the point where he won't be able to get it done anymore. So hopefully Jamie Collins is a big day.
0: Yeah, I think that is a good pick. I think Jamie Collins is going to be incredibly important. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction and say that I expect the Patriots to utilize Jonathan Jones to make sure that Lamar Jackson does not escape the pocket. And I'm envisioning the Patriots playing a a lot of nickel, potentially a lot of dime, where they sacrifice some of their weight up front. With uh, you know big defensive line or maybe even with their linebackers and instead get some more speed at that second level, and I wouldn't be surprised if they utilized Jonathan Jones in that way. They used him at safety in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised if they said we want you down there in the the nickel spot, you know, and the star where your job is to make sure that Lamar Jackson does not escape. That gives the Patriots a little more opportunity to have Jamie Collins like focus on Mark Ingram, make sure he doesn't get away and he can you know, wreak a little bit of havoc, force Lamar Jackson to stay inside the pocket. And you have Jonathan Jones as a lurker in the middle of the field, as a spy. He can also make some plays on the ball when Lamar Jackson is hopefully going to be forced to throw it because uh, it, that should be the goal, is to make sure that he does not escape the pocket, make sure he stays in there. And the second he tries to bolt, Jonathan Jones can take him down because there's no better open field tackler. And so looking at the other players on the on the front, I would say that you would have a lot of Lawrence guy and Adam Butler as your defensive interior. They will be flanked by the Kyle van Noy and the, the Jamie Collins and John Simon. I would say that those would be the five players I would want on the line of scrimmage. And then you would have Dante Hightower in the middle of the field where he's probably going to be flanked by Patrick Chung and Jonathan Jones behind him, Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon. And then you would have Stefan Gilmore on the outside, uh, flanked by, uh, either J.C. Jackson or Jason McCourty, depending on which Ravens receiver gets trotted out there. Um, But there's a lot of ways you can match it up. So, Alec, outside of Lamar Jackson, how are you matching up against these Ravens receivers?
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think there's a single Ravens receiver who, on paper and skill for skill, is better than any of the Patriots defensive backs. Uh, I think any number of the Patriots cornerbacks uh, can match up in any one of these guys. I think Willie Sneed can be a Jason McCourty guy. Uh, I think Seth Roberts can be a Deron Harmon guy, honestly. I put I wouldn't even mind putting him in coverage. Uh, I mean, especially if you want to dedicate Jonathan Jones to Lamar Jackson, the way you said. Uh, maybe J.C. Jackson on Seth Roberts is kind of a, a size disparity, but that's not that big a deal. I don't even know if I want to – way Stephon Gilmore on a, on a receiver. Honestly, I feel like their biggest receiving threat is in the tight ends. So maybe put him on Mark Andrews, uh, Hayden like Hurst, that. Nick Boyle. Um, you know, so maybe, cause I feel like that's a, a big athletic mismatch. And if they run a lot of two tight end sets and Lamar Jackson can't run and he can't dump it off to a tight end, uh, what's he going to do? You know?
0: No, I like that. I think that's probably, uh, one of the better matchups you can think of out there. Uh, you know, with Mark Andrews, he's not the best blocker. He's a, a really big receiver out there, and so if you put Gilmore out on him, make sure that Andrews does not produce. Make sure that he's not available as an outlet. Force Lamar Jackson to look to his second and third out uh, option or second and third options, which like he's definitely capable of doing. But uh, if if you're covering Andrews, if you're covering Brown, there isn't that reliable other option, and then maybe he'll just go down for the sack and succumb to the pressure. So. I like that. I would focus on just squeezing the pocket, squeezing it, and then maybe have Gilmore on Andrews. Uh, as you said, I think that Jason McCourty makes a lot of sense on Willie Sneed. I would put J.C. Jackson on Marquise Brown with Daron Harmon over the top, and then I would have uh, Devin McCordy kind of making sure that Lamar Jackson doesn't dump the ball off to one of the running backs out there. But I, I expect this to be a big game. For This Patriots defense and Jonathan Jones for all the reasons that I've mentioned Is going to be my X factor because Whether it's matching up against Lamar Jackson Or having go speed for speed with Marquise Brown He is the perfect Patriots defender to take down this Ravens Offense
1: It's funny how we talked about the Ravens offense So extensively this podcast Because for the longest time it was the Ravens defense That was the cornerstone of the team And they were the heartbeat of the team and they were the ones you had to Worry about how do you penetrate this Ravens Defense this year they're okay, Ravens defense. Uh, there's really not any player on this team that I am super scared of. Uh, they, have, they do have Jordan Richards and Cyrus Jones, so they have that going for them, which is nice. But at the same time, it's not like the Patriots offense is scaring anybody right now either. So what are your initial thoughts on the Patriots offense versus the Ravens defense matchup?
0: Yeah, so I have a few points. So first off is that I think Marlon Humphrey is one of the bright young cornerbacks in the league. He's been outstanding. And they have made a point of bringing in some additional talent. Uh, to make sure that he's not alone in that secondary. They they acquired Marcus Peters, who in his first game for the Ravens had a pick six, returned it for you know, touchdown, so that was a great debut for him. And so Humphrey and Peters allows them to play a little bit of man on the outside, but uh, he, I think that Marcus Peters flourishes more when they're using some zone. And so I would expect there to be some complex plays going on in the secondary. And I would expect that means that the Patriots would like to isolate Julian Edelman in the middle of the field, and it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking, and it's going to be another big James White game because, as we've kind of highlighted in recent weeks, the Patriots like to utilize their running backs when the opposing team does not have good coverage linebackers. And outside of the Buffalo Bills, the Patriots have not played a team that have good coverage linebackers, and the Baltimore Ravens are no exception. So, as a result... Uh, I I think that the Patriots are not going to match up well on the outside of the field by the sidelines, because I would take Humphrey and Peters over Mohamed Zanu. Is he going to be playing on the outside? I'm not exactly sure how the Patriots, you know, Philip Dorsett could match up on one of them. I think that the better options for the Patriots will come on the interior and, uh, that's how I would approach it. If I was Josh McDaniels, I would say uh, I'm not even going to bother running against this extraordinarily stout Baltimore Ravens defensive front. Michael Pierce is a very, very good run stopper. Uh, so is Brandon Williams, but he's dealing with his uh, injuries, so hopefully he'll be you know fully healthy. But this is a very stout Ravens defensive front against the run, so I'm just going to abandon it and do a lot of quick passes into the middle of the field. So big game for James White, big game for Julian Edelman. And, uh, you know, maybe that's my X factor is going to be that, that Julian Edelman interior play, you know, it's not like a a surprising X factor, you know, he's the leading receiver for the Patriots, but I do honestly think that how Julian Edelman goes against this Ravens team is going to dictate how this offense functions for new England.
1: How about, uh, Nikhil Harry, Rich, you think he's going to have any impact on the game on Sunday? I think they'll rest him again.
0: I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when the Patriots decide to activate him. I mean, they very well could wait until after the bye week to get him going. Um, but he is working his way back. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we're recording this right now a little bit early, so we'll see when the Patriots make that announcement for him. Uh, I, I would not expect in his first game back for him to make any real impact, particularly against such a strong secondary duo like the Baltimore Ravens have. I would expect him to flourish a little bit more strongly against a terrible secondary like the Eagles. Uh, or maybe do it a little bit better against a team like the Cowboys or Texans or even the Chiefs the Chiefs have a terrible defense too so i would not expect him to th- the patriots to throw him into the fire right away
1: no, I agree. I think this is going to be a big Philip Dorsett game, actually. I think Philip Dorsett has become a very underrated player, maybe by necessity, maybe by design. I don't know how it works, but he's my X factor for this game. I agree with you. This is not going to be a run-heavy game. Of course, now they both said that. Watch Sony Michelle go off like 200 yards, which I'd be fine with. But <laughs> I think g- given the offensive line woes and given how stout the Ravens are against the run, I think there's going to be a lot of Edelman and White underneath, which will set up a couple of deep shots to Dorsett. He's kind of a deep threat right now, which is telling in a lot of ways. That Philip Dorsett's your guy, you go too deep. But I think he's going to have at least maybe two or, he's kind of, they will have like three catches for like 75 yards in a TD. One of those is being like a long one. Uh, and that could be the one that blows the game open.
0: I like that. I like that. I mean, he's already shown that he's such an important contributor to the Patriots. He is just a mere 12 yards away from exceeding his prior year contribution. So he he has really started to flourish in the Patriots offense. He's having the best season of his career. So excited to see him continue to take an expanded role. The Patriots will have to rely on him for the next few weeks. I like that a lot. Uh, Alec, do you have any concerns about the Patriots' offensive line against the Baltimore Ravens? Last thoughts on the Patriots' offense. Uh,
1: I do. I mean, you didn't really need to say against the Baltimore Ravens there. I have concerns about the offensive line. Uh, I think that they are sacking, letting Tom Brady get sacked at a pretty high rate. They don't have any consistency. They don't have any genuine, healthy guys, uh, except for Joe Tooney, who's the only guy who really is a starter that's been there since the beginning. Uh, offensive line, more than any other unit in football, you need cohesion, you need chemistry, you need synergy, and they just don't have that right now. I don't really trust the talent of Marshall Newhouse. So I'm not knocking him. Uh, when United States went back as soon as possible, Shaq Mason is banged up. Who knows how healthy he's going to be coming in. And while I said the Ravens are not teams that I wouldn't, I'm scared of along their offensive line, they're good they know what they're doing and they can make it very hard for Tom Brady to to do well and Jim Harbaugh is a excuse me John Harbaugh excuse me is a coach who's not scared of the Patriots and he will send eight guys no problem he will pressure up the middle he'll get pressure in the middle he'll jam three he'll collapse the pocket and get Brady rattled early could be a long day for him so yes I am worried about the offensive line which is why it's that much more important for you to have that strategy that you mentioned about the quick passes quick screens quick outs prevent them from rushing quickly, and then once they do pin their ears back, then take a deep shot.
0: Absolutely. I like that a lot. I like that, how it feeds to Philip Dorsett being an important part of this Patriots offense. I like your analysis on that, Alec. I agree. A little bit concerned about that Patriots offense flying. Hopefully, they can get it all together. Uh, Alec, we've reached that point now, though. Let's make some predictions. What are you thinking for this game? All right, so I win
1: because I had the Patriots winning Thirty to seven over the Browns, and you had them thirty-four to six. So I was a little closer, so I'll get the check mark. Uh, I'm looking at the Patriots' schedule going forward, and I picked them to lose once to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Rich, you picked the Patriots every single game so far, so good for you. Uh, they're not going to go sixteen to zero. I don't want them to go sixteen to zero, and I mentioned in my fan notes on, on Monday that I actually think the Patriots would benefit from a loss an embarrassing loss, a loss where they get smacked around, they get dominated, they look weak, they look deprived. I would actually think that would rally the team, especially going into the bye week. where They have two weeks to just stew about it. While I'm not rooting for a Patriots to loss here, I never would. Uh, I think this is a great game for them to lose for a lot of reasons. In Baltimore, a tough place to play. They've never seen a quarterback like Lamar Jackson yet this season. It would be a big test for them in that respect. And the Ravens have had a bye week to prepare. And the Ravens are always going to play the Patriots tough. So this could be one of those games where the Ravens pull out a win like 17-13 to 13 and shock the world. And everyone's saying Brady's done. And as soon as they play a good team, they collapse. The the defense is a paper straw. I pick a house of cards. And then they come back after the bye week and just tear it up. So for the benefit of the long-term season, I'm going Ravens 17, Patriots 13.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, well... Uh, let the record show everyone that Alec is rooting actively against the Patriots. Like he thinks it. that Tom Brady is done. Alec thinks that the Patriots are over right, not my words they're his words um i like i mean that there is always that chance for that to happen. Uh, I will expect that to happen against the Eagles after the bye week. That is my prediction Then when that loss will take place. I think the Patriots still managed to win against the Ravens. I do think that Baltimore gives the Patriots their biggest challenge since week four against the Bills. And I expect the, the defense to show a little bit more weakness here because the Patriots have shown in their secondary that they are susceptible to some of those big, deep passes. They've just been fortunate enough to play against terrible, terrible quarterbacks who are not able to capitalize. Lamar Jackson can definitely capitalize, especially if Marquise Brown is available. I expect the Patriots to win this one, something along the lines of 27-21, where there's going to be a big touchdown that the Patriots defense gives up, Uh, you know, maybe like a 50-plus yarder that is just a complete blown defense. But otherwise, the Patriots do pretty well on defense, and people still continue to look at this offense and go, "Eh, you know, they're good, they're fine. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope you're right. Again, I'm not rooting against the Patriots. I think they would definitely different
1: from a loss. That's all I'm saying. Uh, eventually, Rich, you're going to have to pick the Patriots to lose the game because right now you're 9-0 and of uh, Patriots wins. So you're saying the Eagles are going to beat them. I'll see, I hold you to that because we've got a bye week coming up. It'd be really sweet to go into the bye week at 9-0. and That would all but guarantee that one seed.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we'll have more breakdown on this game at patspulpit.com. Alec, Do you have any final thoughts as we head into week nine of the NFL season?
1: That should do it, man. Let's finish out the season strong.
0: All right. Well, until next time, you have a good one.